There have been times when we've all felt gloomy, downcast, dejected, disheartened, even depressed. Is that right? I came across this story in the Encyclopedia of Illustrations. There's a legend that says that Satan decided to get rid of a number of his tools and so he arranged an auction. There was envy, deceit, malice, sensuality, enmity, thoughtlessness and many other tools which Satan had used very successfully. These were all priced reasonably low. One piece marked very high in terms of its value was labelled discouragement. Why do you want so much for this tool, asked one bidder. This tool, replied the old tempter, has always been my most useful tool. And you can see that it's had more wear than all of the rest. It's used as a wedge to get into a person's mind when all other means fail. Practically, every human being has had this tool used on them. Although very few know that I'm the one who's wielding it. And as it worked out, nobody could afford the price that Satan was demanding for discouragement. And so he's still using it today. In our passage this morning, we see discouragement as it looms large in Moses' life. He's reached the point where he's had it up to here. He wants to throw in the towel, he wants to quit, and maybe that's where you're at. It all seems just too much at the moment. You'd like to stop the world and get off. So we're going to have a look at our passage and I believe there is help in God's word for those of us who might be hurting this morning. For Moses, as the leader of the Hebrew people, he became discouraged due to the constant complaints of the people. Now, for those who have never been in a position of leadership, you probably don't realise the toll that constant complaints can have on a person. However, we've all been or we all are prone to complaining. How did you go with the the attempt to not complain for a month? It didn't work. (laughs) You're still trying to keep it at bay, not complaining. So in our passage today, Moses has a people problem, a provision problem and a personal problem. In verses 1 to 3, we see that Moses faces a people problem. In chapter 10, we read that the people left Mount Sinai, they travelled into the desert for three days and then they set up camp. Immediately they begin to complain. Verse 1. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. It seems that the Hebrew people were seldom happy. They were always complaining about something, never satisfied. 
You hear about the whinging poms. The whinging Hebrews. Always complaining. And some people are just like that, aren't they? They're persistently pessimistic. Persistently pessimistic. Is it your neighbour? Is it your workmate? Is it the kid at school who's always grumbling? It's always the impatient patient in the ER department constantly complaining. Is it the the parent of the troublesome school kid? Could it be you? Persistently pessimistic. And our culture doesn't help as it suggests that everybody around about us is there to serve us. As one writer said, to live alone with saints we love, sorry, to live above with saints we love, oh, won't that be glory? But to love below with saints we know, now that's another story. (laughs) But Moses also faced a provision problem and the people certainly let him know. The Hebrew people are now called a rabble as they start wailing. Verses 4 to 6. If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish that we ate in Egypt at no cost. Oh, remember also the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic? But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Poor old Moses. No matter where he walks throughout the camp, the people are standing at the entrance to their tents and they make their complaints known to him. Verse 10. Here he was leading approximately two million people through the wilderness and they have nothing to eat but manna. And of course, they don't like manna. If you had... I mean, we have no idea what manna tastes like, but if you only had rice every day, no option. They didn't have onions. They didn't have garlic to make it more palatable. They had manna. What they hadn't invented yet was Vegemite. But complain they did, and they did every day. And you recently thought that you had a problem when you lacked potatoes due to the floods that we had. At least you still had meat and Vegemite. But seriously, there are times when we face a provision problem. For us, it may be an unexpected tragedy that requires all of our funds that we had in reserve. It may be medical bills. It may be a loss of a job. It could be that the cost of living is getting just too much for us. It could be that there, are no, there is no housing available at the moment in a price range that we can afford. We can face provision problems. May I remind you that one of the names of the Lord in the Old Testament is Jehovah Jireh. 
He is the God who provides. For Kylie and I, our story is like many who went through Bible college. As the years went by, our funds became so depleted that there were times when we wondered how we would pay the next bill. But every time God provided, often through a check in the mail from somebody that God had prompted a week or two before to give us a gift. And most times it was just the amount that we needed to pay that bill. God always provides. Jehovah Jireh always provides for the needs of his children. It may not always be what we'd like to receive from him, but it will get us through the wilderness like the manna got the Hebrew people through. They may not have always liked what the Lord gave them, but the Lord always provided for them. But thirdly, because of the weight of the problem, Moses had a personal problem which led to him becoming utterly discouraged. Discouragement can come from without and it can come from within. I read that the word troubled at the end of verse 10 meant that he was broken to pieces or utterly destroyed. The Hebrew word that used there means to be broken to pieces or utterly destroyed. In other words, Moses was having a breakdown, at least having a meltdown. The enormity of the problem, the persistence of the the complaints led Moses to a state whereby he's, he's over it. He just wants to quit. I'm done. I've had it. Every problem that we face has the potential to become greater than our ability to handle that problem. It happened to Moses. It happened to Elijah. It happened to Jonah. It can happen to us too. This was now a personal problem for Moses. And as we know, the squeaky gate eventually gets the oil. Or the gate gets ripped off its hinges and thrown to the side. And for Moses, the problem was too great, too great to put up with any longer. He wants God to rip him off the hinges and throw him aside. The problem had become larger than his faith in God. It was little little over 12 months ago that Moses had prayed and asked the Lord not to destroy the people and God relented. But here he is now at the end of his rope. He's done. He's had it. Our spiritual journey may also have its ups and downs, its highs and lows. There'll be times when we feel like we're praying like Jesus and there are other times when we feel like doubting Thomas or as desperate as Elijah. And in his desperation, Moses calls out to God. But listen to his heartfelt cry. Notice how he doesn't hold back, but he unloads all of his anger and his frustration upon God. God wants us to be honest with him, and he wants us to be honest with ourselves. As we read Moses' prayer, we see his heart of confession, of capitulation and his lack of care and concern. 
Moses recalls the time when the Hebrew people had, had made a golden calf and they'd really upset God. He recalled how God had said to him, Moses, you go down, it's your people whom you brought out of Egypt, they've corrupted themselves. And he recalls how he threw the responsibility of the outcome of the people back on God and he reminded God that, no, these are your people, God. On that occasion, Moses was trying to save the people. But here, discouragement has gotten the best of him. He lacks care, concern, compassion, because he's had enough. He's discouraged. He's lacking courage. And sometimes when we face the responsibility for others or we have a particular outcome in mind, we too may need to remind ourselves that the problem is really the Lord's. The problem is really God's. We often become discouraged because no one else seems to care the way that we care or care about what we care about. And we forget that God's in control And God will bring about his purposes. We need to remind ourselves at times that if God wants something to happen, then he will make it happen. And sometimes what we think should be the particular outcome is not necessarily what God wants. And sometimes when we're asking why, we may be much better off to ask why not. Why not us? Why not me? Why not my family? This is a world that's full of sin and consequences after all. But listen to Moses asking why and listen to his lack of concern and his heart of confession and capitulation. It's a pretty hopeless place that Moses finds himself in. Verse 11. Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you have put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all of these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all of these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry all of these people by myself. The burden is far too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. If I've found favour in your eyes, and do not let me face my own ruin. He's feeling so disheartened, he's ready to throw in the towel. He's ready to quit. In fact, he says, Lord, put me out of my misery. But notice that God doesn't reprimand Moses for such an attitude. God doesn't say to Moses, take a cup of cement and harden up. Many of the psalms are psalms of lament 
They're expressions of grief and loss and confusion and bewilderment. Please know that it's all right to let God know how you feel, exactly how you feel, to pour out your heart to him. Let him know. He's big enough to handle it. Don't ever allow your discouragement to cause you to give up on God, though. Don't quit on God. Trust him more. Let him take control. Let him carry the burden rather than trying to carry it yourself. Moses confesses his weaknesses, that he's not up to the task. He's saying, I I can't do it anymore. He can't meet their requests. However, Moses' demonstration of humility here is a good thing for us to see. It's humility from Moses. We should never think that we can handle life all on our own. For God understands that not one of us is meant to carry the burden that is too great for us and that there is a collective wisdom in supporting one another and we need encouragement from one another. And although Moses confesses his weaknesses and he's collapsing under the weight of discouragement, God steps in to provide for him. You can always trust in the goodness of God. Verse 16. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people, Have them come to the tent of meeting, that they may stand there with you. And I will come down and I will speak with you there. And I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Seventy elders will be enough to help in the oversight of the people. And Moses, you can be assured that They will have my spirit on them as they lead my people. You can be assured that I don't expect you to carry this load on your own. And you can trust these 70 leaders because my spirit will be on them. I believe the leadership in the church is also meant to be shared. This is why Jesus commenced with 12 apostles. And this is why Paul appointed elders in local churches to share the leadership. And so this message is not just for those in leadership. The Lord says, I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and I will put it on them. This is not to suggest that Moses' power was now diminished. For that would suggest that the Holy Spirit's power is limited and can be divided up. That somehow the Holy Spirit's power is weakened as it is shared. Centuries later, it is Jesus who tells his disciples that they will receive the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that all believers now have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living within them. You have the same power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus back to victorious life within you. 
And that same spirit of power and comfort and guidance and wisdom. And there can be no doubt that there were some of those within the 70 who didn't think that they had what it took to be considered a leader among the people. They didn't necessarily want to be a leader. And maybe you don't think that you have what it takes to be a comfort or an encouragement to somebody else. But with the Spirit of God living within you, you do. As you make yourself available to him. So when you're feeling overwhelmed and discouraged, take your burden to the Lord. Let him carry it. Place it in his hands. Let him deal with it. You can always trust in the goodness of God. And seek support from others around you, from other Christians. And you might also like to be ready to be an encourager, ready to be a comfort and strengthen others in their Christian walk. Because as believers... We are indwelt with the Holy Spirit and we're all in this together. If you sense a brother or sister crumbling under discouragement, then sensitively come alongside them and offer your support. Be an encourager. Amen? We're going to stand and sing. The wonder of our God is his unfailing goodness to us. So let's stand and worship him, praise him, because he is so good.